Hey, this is Seamus Scanlon, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. This week, I'm excited to share my chat with Seamus Scanlon. Seamus is a new artist on Common Ground Collective. We had a delightful chat back in November when Seamus dropped his single, Tacony. Seamus talks about growing up in Philadelphia, how improv helped him overcome stage fright, and how he started releasing music. We also discuss lullabies and Seamus's ambient project. This was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoy getting to know Seamus Scanlon. I remember Charles Street, rows and rows, but nobody home, circling up above, somewhere to be but nowhere to go, spent a long time on the wrong side, lips kept tight so it's all inside, burning oil for an end, not sure that I want it but I pretend. Are you worried? How's your belly? Does it still waltz in the evening? Does it still waltz in the evening? Does it still waltz in the evening? Are you in Philly? I am in Philly. I just saw in your bio that's where you grew up. Yeah, I was. Li- I listened to like the Me Without You episode or the most recent one, yeah. and I was like, these guys are talking about Philly, like real, like <laughs> they live there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I've been here six years. Nice. Yeah, I actually moved away from there six years ago, so we yeah. must have just missed each other. Yeah. Yeah, February of 15? Seems right. That was March. Yeah, I left February 20, 25th uh, and drove across the country for a week and landed in San Diego March 2nd, 2015. Yeah. What was uh, growing up in Philadelphia like for you? Um... What do I remember from the youth? So we li- I lived in a neighborhood called Tacconi in the Northeast Philly, uh, where you were either Irish Catholic or Italian Catholic. Um, so I uh, went to a, a grade school called St. Leo the Great, where um, a very small school, maybe like 20 to 30 kids per grade for the most part. Um, but I remember going there, um, and yeah, just like a lot of, a lot of early friendships that meant a lot to me, but faded out and have weirdly come back in like my, uh, I'm 34. I just turned 34 last, last month. And I, I find that the, those memories like that I forgot about end up coming up a lot. Um, as an adult and especially living so far away from, from home and where they were formed. Um, outside of school, the street I lived on was like tons of kids. So we were always in the street playing sports, like, I don't know, hockey and football running in between cars. Someone always ran into a car every game. 
a lot of those <laughs> pausing, pausing for traffic and picking up a hockey net and moving it to the side until we could put it back in place and resume. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of fun memories there. Okay. I have a, that's such an open-ended question to me that yeah. like, I, I get option paralysis a lot. Like if you, if I go to a coffee shop and the menu is like three pages long, I forget what I wanted to drink. So, uh, childhood is a, a never ending story. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe this is equally as open-ended. What got you into music? Ooh. All right. Here's the trajectory. It was real McCoy. That song Runaway. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah. Like, I don't know, a 90s synth pop drum machine. That is the first song I remember hearing on the radio and blitzing to my room to get a tape to catch it on the radio <laughs> so that I could record it. Um, so, what, Real McCoy First Love, that trickled into hip hop. Um, and there was a funny phase of my friends that I grew up with where like, we all loved Rough Riders, mainly yeah. the Rough Riders Anthem and DMX. But the cool thing was to grab one of the Rough Riders nobody knew about or listened to and make them your favorite. <laughs> uh, and so I was the first and maybe only one to own a drag on CD. Uh, hotter Than Water maybe was the, the, the title. I forget the something hotter than H2O maybe. Anyway, Real McCoy. Rough Riders. And then I want to say that I heard Blink-182, What's My Age Again? And that opened my mind to like, uh, what I'll call, I guess just guitar rock. But yeah. it wasn't cool to listen to, to Blink, believe it or not. Um, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was a bit ashamed of it uh, for a while, but Blink-182 kind of, opened my world to guitar rock and from there it was newfound glory hit or miss and i think that, that led me to a do you know a band called north star yeah yeah that was the they were like the first scene like band for me and then from then on i was just emo through and through nice yeah and that was the point you picked up guitar Yes, that was the point I wanted a guitar. Blink-182 was. Yeah. First guitar I ever owned was one of those Squire Strat Packs, like $200 out of yeah. the box. <laughs> you got an amp, a cable, uh, a bag, and a, a white Squire uh, Strat. It didn't sound good, but it was effective. Yeah, I learned damn it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was happy that I kept it in the basement, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Did you start playing in bands around this point? Did you want to like jump in right away? Um, so I've, um, I've always had the, a, a, like a crippling properly stage fright. <laughs> I never played, I never played in a band. Um, I remember having friends over and trying to maybe do a song together and it never, <laughs> never worked. <laughs> so I was very much a, a closeted musician for, uh, throughout my teenage years. Um, yeah, I would write terrible poetry and rip off Blink-182 songs for the most part for a very yeah. long time. Um, and this is all, in high school, uh, I was gearing up to like, 
try to do a very math intense college um, curriculum. I was planning on becoming an actuary. And so toward junior and senior year, like a lot of music, I still loved listening to it, but making it or trying to, it definitely fell by the wayside. So there was a, a dormant period for many years because of that. That you were more school focused? Yeah, I was, uh, I wanted to, to, um, You're smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be it in hindsight, man, like the, the look of it from where I'm at now, yeah. I, I spent so many years in my late twenties, early thirties, uh, un, undoing the, how do I want to phrase this? <laughs> Basically, there was a lot of like suppressing of emotions and feelings yeah. as a younger person. And there are all the reasons uh, that are both personal and general for that. But as an adult, I've really have learned to value the expression of that. So all I'm saying is that it, it, maybe it was a practical route, but I've tried to undo a lot of what I did in my adult years lately. Yeah. Um, to recreate uh, or re-access re that expression. Gotcha. So have you always just been a solo artist then? Is that creative means? Y yes. Uh, for the music I have now, yes. Um, and the reason I say that is because, okay, can I just like go off? Go on, off, yeah. On, okay. <laughs> um, I moved to San Diego almost six years ago. And at the time, I had one friend in San Diego and he moved to San Francisco within like a month. So I was pretty alone and I'm, I'm decent. You can drop me in most social settings and I can float with the, the group, but I'm not super outgoing uh, as a default. I'm quite introverted. And so I, I was seeing a therapist that at the time or the therapist I was seeing at the time, uh, we were talking about how like what loneliness was looking like for me and um, how, what I would do, like, what would you do if you didn't have to work for money? That classic question to yeah. like see how we could ignite a flame inside me. And I told her that like, it would be amazing if I could sing songs on a stage and, and people wanted to listen to them. And so she suggested trying an open mic and I was like, you kidding me? Like that's the most terrifying thing I can think of. And she's like, okay, that's the thing we need to look at. Why yeah. is that so scary and what can we do about it? Um, and so what we arrived at was trying an improv class. And so I signed up for an improv class, an improv theater, improv comedy. Um, and that was in November, 2015. And I quickly fell in love with improv for what it was and less of like a means to tackle stage fright or whatever, which I think was really important because I got fully immersed in the community here uh, and really wanted to, to, to be a good improviser. Yeah. Um, five years down the path, it has helped translate to me feeling more comfortable on stage and more comfortable presenting myself to an audience. Um, but that long story is both to say if anyone struggles with stage fright or, or lack of confidence, improv is very helpful and B the first real music on stage experience I had was through improv um, in this like Christmas show where my friend Joe and I ended up being cast as emo elves. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we wrote a couple emo Christmas songs and like, 
that was like my first band experience was being in like a theater show doing that. No, oh, man, that's, that's amazing. So what was that? What was the catalyst to get you to move to the West coast just to change the scenery or work? Yeah, or? both all. Okay. Um, I lived in Philly from day one, went to college in West Philly at university of Penn and then picked up a job in South Philly at the Navy yard growing up in Northeast Philly. I kind of just was, you know, always in Philly and I love Philly and I miss it a lot. Um, but I always did have an itch to, let me rephrase that. There were plenty of times where I was like, I felt like uh, I didn't quite, not that I didn't quite belong, but that everyone had their group and felt comfortable. And I was such a floater of, I could hang out with most groups, but none of them really felt like a home. Um, and California had always been a little bit on the mind. And uh, my, my day job is I work for the Navy and San Diego is quite a huge Navy presence. Um, and so I was working in Philly's Navy Yard and around four years into that, I just started looking around for different things, mainly as a form of like midday respite of the workday. Just yeah. like, oh, I wonder what other jobs are out there. And an offer came in from a San Diego position that was really great. And after talking with my therapist that, at that time and my mom, and I had a relationship that um, had ended and the, you know, the unpacking of that was finally coming to an end. It all just kind of made sense where I had that, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Yeah. And my mom, who was the last person to endorse the move, <laughs> she gave me this beautiful phrase of like, you should do it and you can always come back. Mm -hmm. And once I really wrapped my head around the fact that like, I can always come back, which is maybe obvious to a lot of people, but um, at 28, having lived in the same city your whole life, like it did not necessarily occur to me immediately that that was like, yeah, you can just move back it felt so weirdly permanent, but yeah. Um, so changing that perspective really did help make me feel like, yeah, I could do it. That's cool. Judging from uh, Spotify and Bandcamp, you started releasing music uh, in 2019, late 2019 is the first internet presence I can find. Uh, mm -hmm. What, what was the catalyst to start recording and releasing music? So, I had, let's go, emo elves in the Christmas show. <laughs> and I then just had like, you know, those, uh, my very first mic was like a blue USB snowball. Yeah, yeah. And so I just had one of those in GarageBand. And I was doing very simple, like two track acoustic stuff up on a SoundCloud. And um, I can't. Yeah, I don't want to uh, harp on the improv thing too much, but what I noticed as I really got into that was that my brain was interpreting things, like every normal day things, very lyrically and poetically, uh, just kind of naturally. And not all the time, but I found myself being like really captured and, and awestruck a lot more. And so I started writing things down. Um, and maybe 5% ended up being something I like, tried to put in a song but that whole 
change kind of did nudge me into wanting to do it more. And eventually I had a song that I felt so excited about that I was like, I need to do this proper justice. Like, I don't want to rely on my, my snowball and garage band and amateur mixing skills. Like this, the song felt like it deserved better hands, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so um, my favorite band through the, through growing up was the early November um, who are from Hamilton, New Jersey, but classically uh, Philly is their home show. So I've always had a connection with them. And in 2018, I think I was seeing like the Lumberyard recording uh, studio, which was run by Ace Enders and Nick Bruzzese of Man Overboard. And I kind of had this idea that I'll ask what the rate is just to see if that's something feasible. Having never paid for anything as far as recording time goes before. Um, I got the rate back and I was like, I can do that. Uh, and so I saved up a bit of money and a bit of confidence and booked some studio time at the end of December, 2018 when I was flying home for Christmas. Um, and I didn't have any idea about what it looked like, but I did have this mentality of, uh, I want to do these things that I've previously told myself I can't do or not let myself entertain more out of curiosity and experimentation than any part of a grand plan. And so, yeah, I signed up and did a couple days uh, in, in their studio with Ace and Nick and maybe tomorrow and closer were those two songs. Maybe tomorrow being the first one. So I put that And boy, uh, it went differently than I expected, and I learned a, a ton, and it helped inform what I brought in the next time, and, and now I'm gearing up to go in again when I go home in December for tracks nine and ten, which will round out plans for my first album. That's awesome. And you just released a brand new single through Common Ground Media. How'd you get hooked up with Common Ground? Okay, Common Ground... Uh, I'm in love with them. They they obviously introduced uh, or you to me, so uh, you yeah. know I'm very grateful for that. But I sent them an email in the summer, um, and I found their name through Overgrow, who their one of their songs trickled onto like maybe it was a release. No, it would have been a Discover Weekly or something like that. And I liked the sound a lot, and I just kind of looked through their catalog and. You know, when you're publishing music yourself, sometimes like you start looking at different things on, on artist profiles just out of curiosity, like, oh, I wonder how they're getting their music out or, or what's working for them. And I saw Common Ground Collective at the bottom and I just Google searched, saw their website, found the contact us part immediately and just send like a friendly email saying to the, something to the effect of just found your band Overgrow, they rock. Um, 
I checked out a few of your other artists on your roster. Like, I think my sound's not quite the same, but we seem in the same world. And I just sent an inquiry asking, like, I don't know if y'all consider new artists, but I am one and I have some songs that I'm gearing up to release. And we just love the chat. And so uh, didn't hear back for a few months, a couple months, I think. Um, and honestly, kind of forgot about it because I'd sent a few of those emails randomly here and there. It wasn't like this week I find a label. Uh, <laughs> it was more like whenever it's something we present, I'm like, oh, they seem cool or this seems like something that would be worth reaching out to. Uh, but then Brick got back to me and and we had a little chat and with, with her and Kat um, and Megan and uh, I just went really well and they were like, cool, let's, let's, let's release some stuff together. So I'm very grateful for that because they've told me a lot of things that I wouldn't know and answered a lot of my novice, vulnerable questions yeah. about how to maybe best present myself to, uh, to the music world for uh, new audiences. Yeah. That's cool. The single's really good and, and Common Ground, like, they're amazing, obviously. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thank you for saying that, too. Yeah. So at Christmas time, you're going to be back in Philly. You're going to finish up your full length, looking at a 21 release. Knowing kind of the state of the world and the music industry, does that change your preparation level for what a release might look like? Or, I don't know, maybe hoping the world is less yeah. crazy by the time your record comes out. Okay. Always hoping for that. Always, <laughs> every day I wake up, open the blinds and go, is it? Is it less crazy yet? Um, no, it's not. But It's not. <laughs> so I, it's funny. I think about this sometimes, and I don't know if time will tell of this as like a blessing or just, you know, a coincidental circumstance, but I don't have a familiarity with releasing music on any kind of grand scale. Yeah everything's been self-published and through friends uh, and family and word of mouth and my own like personal Facebook profile and such. So um, I don't know what's going to be different. I am really happy to have uh, some advice from common ground on how we can best do this. Um, I don't, I, I played two shows before coronavirus <laughs> hit. I had my first show in, late December and then a second one in January. And then, yeah, it just kind of, that whole thing happened. So not much has changed except for like my trajectory for performance was put on hold. Yeah. Um, which is like the bare minimumist uh, or, or really not, it doesn't, it pales in comparison to the consequences of this on a worldwide scale. Um, but I don't know what's going to be different or let me say, I don't really know what to expect. Probably a few more videos than would normally uh, occur to me. And that way there's more uh, of a way to engage visually since I won't be able to engage like on a personal or in-person way with a lot of this stuff. But yeah, we haven't brainstormed too much about the, 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 the rollout of that yet maybe uh we'll get some good creative ideas as we get closer to it yeah yeah early phases still mm -hmm. 
You did uh, an EP that you put out this year uh, of lullabies for your niece. was like the the oh sorry i cut you off is there uh, no go I'll ahead yeah. Finish, no yeah. no jump in talk about it yeah first off i will sadly admit that i've never really understood the the fascination with babies <laughs> i um like no no disrespect to babies i just <laughs> never understood it and then my sister had a baby and she's the first in the family and i get it man i get, <laughs> I get why people love babies <laughs> so i had this idea around january just she was born april 1st and as we got closer i wanted to well first i had a flight planned for mid-april to to visit and of course i had to cancel that yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, no one was visiting the baby then, uh, especially not me coming off a plane. But I wanted to have something to give uh, as a gift, but also I wanted, I like the idea that my voice would be around my niece. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I make songs. So that was the the first thought just for a form of familiarity. And then, you know, in my mind, I just have this romantic vision of like years down the road when my niece is like growing up and she has sad moments or needs some alone time. She puts on uh, her uncle's lullaby EP and, and it, it kind of grounds her. But um, I've always liked songs that put you in a, in a space of like, let me just lay down and not listen too, too hard. Um, the vibe of the song will kind of do its work. And so I just wrote the first song I wrote was called time for bed and it's just gearing up for going to sleep. And that was the one where at first I was like, this is a cool, fun song. And it sparked the idea for having like a roundabout album that was like 15 minutes long. And it feels more like an ambient journey versus a collection of five songs. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was cool. It was fun to listen to. Yeah. Ah, thanks for listening. Um, I will say, I want to make a brief note about the last song on that track, which is, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. We said this prayer every night as kids, my sisters and I, um, this, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep guard me Jesus through the night and wake me with the morning light. And it was a, a prayer that was printed on this framed picture. And next to it was a, a teddy bear and a, a basket of apples. And we would end the prayer by saying apples and bears, amen, two amens, <laughs> which is like, I, it's just something that stuck. And so, um, yeah, the lullaby EP is called apples and bears. And 
that that prayer is the last song which is kind of like this loop of that You also have an ambient instrumental project. I'll probably butcher the name. Nios Malay. Oh, I love that you tried. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite things is to be like, yeah, say say it. What do you think? It, how do you pronounce? <laughs> and truth be told, I studied Irish language in college for two years, and I probably don't say it that well. Um, but it's an Irish phrase pronounced Nios Willia. Okay. And you slow it down to get it phonetically, but you want to say it as fast as possible. <laughs> uh, which, ironically, uh, the, the phrase translates to slower as yeah. a pace. Um, but that was my first experiment in like really producing my own music. music i mean it's, it's like bands like this will destroy you i guess they're less ambient and more post-rock but um bands like hammock oh i love hammock yeah yeah um lowercase noises just very simple stuff you can kind of put on and breathe a little deeper too so that was my experiment with that and i just found it so fun and do you play uh any instruments I do, yeah. I play guitar and drums in the chat. I'm yeah. saying you're a bandcamp link. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm curious to hear how you relate to uh, your experience with it. But guitar is uh, especially like looping and big lush reverbs is some of the best like meditative zones I find myself in. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. So all the a, reverb just, on guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like a lot of improvisations and I would loop things and then I find that, and this, this is borrowed words from some other artists that I've heard say it, but I find that when a loop feels good, I'll let it run for like 20 minutes. And if I'm not sick of it by the end of it, then that's probably something I want to pursue fleshing out. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of improvised songs in that one. Yeah. I dig that one too. It's super cool. It's like right in my, my vibe. So <laughs> it spoke to, I saw that and I was like, Oh, that's yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Closer, to, closer to honest is amazing. Like oh, seven minutes th of just like, yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. You know, you know, when you're making something, what feels good for you. And I'm quite sensitive to others' opinions. I'll admit. <laughs> Someone once told me that the song's really long. And I was like, yeah, it's it's supposed to be. 
<laughs> that's the but point. I man. guess some people, yeah, some people seek out that vibe, and some people are like, well, "When's the beat coming in?" <laughs> yeah. So I Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our theme song was written and composed by the legendary Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give the show a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, click on the Patreon link at asthestorygrows.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. <laughs>